Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast. We're back for our Thursday edition uh, for week 23. That is March 23rd, uh, week 23 on 23. There you go. Of 2023. We've got two threes all over the place. Um, and we've also got uh, it's on a Thursday, but we've got Justin, uh, our co-host and good my good friend. Uh, Justin, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. It's great to be here, Carson. Thank you for having me a day late and a dollar short, but I'm here and ready to get into this action. Well, we're we're happy to have you, and also a happy birthday, uh, recent birthday. I, I missed that. Um, that was part of Justin's kind of busy week, and then I realized late last night after we'd done the podcast without him that oh crap, maybe that was a bit of a factor as far as him being busy. So, um, <laughs> so happy late well, birthday to him. <laughs> Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm glad this is on the record now, so everybody listening can know when my birthday is. Because hey, we you didn't know say how much I love being the center of attention. So we didn't we didn't say what day it was. We said it was <laughs> sometime this week. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. So yeah, okay. Let's go ahead and get started um, with our game summaries here from last night's action. We had ten games total last night, um, and we're just going to go ahead and dive right into it. Firstly, the Denver Nuggets win in Washington against the Wizards, 118 to 104. Um, the Wizards missing a few players. Um, regardless, if you imagine the Nuggets still should have been able to win this game. Uh, no offense to the Wizards, but still uh, close game through the first half. Uh, Nuggets really ran away with it in the second half. Not too much crazy there. For the Wizards, they were led by Kristaps Porzingis, who had 25 points, uh, 16 points for Denny Avdia getting the start in this game in place of the injured Kyle Kuzma and 12 points off their bench for Jordan Goodwin. Uh, Bradley Beal also did not play in this game. Meanwhile, for the Nuggets, uh, Nicole Jokic doing his uh, his usual stuff, 31 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists, and 3 steals uh, leading the charge, as you would expect. They had uh, five other guys that scored at least 10 points, uh, the second leading scorer being Michael Porter Jr., about 21 points and 7 rebounds. Uh, Jamal Murray, 17 points and eight assists, as as well as six rebounds. So nice all-around game for him. 14 off the bench for Bruce Brown. 11 off the bench for Jeff Green as the Nuggets get a nice win after they'd had a little bit of a recent struggle as well. So that's a good win for them. Um, let's jump to that next game. This is a renewal, a renewal of the classic rivalry. The Miami Heat win at home against the New York Knicks, 127 to 120. And we even got a little bit of chippiness between Jimmy Butler and uh, Julius Randle at one point in this game. So it was great to see a little 90s throwback. And the Heat were even wearing the throwback uniforms. uh, So that made it even better. Back and forth game throughout nine different lead changes in this game. Uh, Miami, again, was able to secure the win late for the Knicks. They were led by uh, R.J. Barrett had 26 points, six rebounds, five assists, 25 points, six rebounds, six assists for Jalen Brunson. Very similar games between the two. Uh, 22 points for Quentin Grimes. Uh, Randall held only to 15 points in this game, but he did have nine assists. So he led the Knicks in assists in this game. 12 points off the bench for Josh Hart. Meanwhile, for the Heat, it was Jimmy Butler and uh, and the rest of the Miami Heat. This has been kind of par for the course the last few, uh, few weeks and a couple of months, it seems Butler doing a lot of the heavy lifting, 35 points, nine assists, uh, four steals as well. Nice uh, two-way play there. 22 points for Tyler Hero, 19 for Gabe Vincent, starting at point guard yet again. Uh, Lowry still coming off the bench at this point. He had 14 points off the bench. And Bam Adebayo, 15 points, seven rebounds, uh, a steal and a block as well. So nice win for the Heat. Again, it was cool to see that little bit of chippiness. Um resurge i guess in that matchup um justin just a quick side question have you seen some of the the play from those 90s playoff series the knicks and the heat some of those matchups of course how could i forget about some of those right you had the chippiest dudes on both teams you had patrick ewing and john starks on the knicks running their mouths talking a big game Mm. and yeah (laughs) tim hardaway on the heat that dude was a tough sucker. Mm. Uh, yeah, I I like chippy basketball, right? I like the the kind of Tyler Hero mindset where he does that stupid sneer, mm-hmm. and pulls up his top lift, and kind of scrunches his nose like that. 
But yeah, he, he had such an epic quote after this game. Um, he's sitting there, right? He pulls the mic really close to his mouth like he always does. And he says, fourth quarter's winning time. That's when my scoring's needed the most. And then he just put it down, picked up his Gatorade, and walked out. Um, wow. And and he made four three-pointers in the fourth quarter. Um, just really fun to watch. I like I like chippy small players that pretend like they're big timing like Tyler Hero. And I think it would have been fun to watch this year's Heat play any of those teams in the 90s when ball was a little more physical. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, my favorite part of the one of my favorite parts of the Knicks Heat rivalry in the 90s was uh, Jeff Van Gundy, who coached the Knicks at the time, grabbing Alonzo Mourning's leg trying to stop him from getting in another fight so he wouldn't get suspended. Um, That's great. That's, that's a great clip there, but yeah. um, You mentioned hero. That's a good point. The only problem with him doing, you know, like a, a face like that and be an intimidator or whatever. He's, he still looks like he's about 17 years old, so (laughs) it makes it a little bit tough, but yeah, (laughs) maybe it's always funny to see the lineup. Right. It's always funny to see the lineup and it's all these grizzled old heat players because they have a really old lineup. And then Tyler Hero, who just looks like he's 12 years old playing in a yeah. league. You have Tyler Hero and Udonis Haslam on the same roster. Those two <laughs> could not be more antithesis of each other. Udonis Haslam looks like he's about 50 years old at this point, and he's not too far from that. But um, I think he might be about 50 years old. He's been in the league. What? like since 1980 something probably not quite he's <laughs> 2003 um he's probably like early 40s but still you know let's not rip on him he brings he brings the leadership and that's that's what yeah. matters for the heat he's the locker room guy he's that robert Parrish. he just he sits quietly and you don't mess with him and he'll punch you in the head if you talk too much exactly there you go every every team needs a, a guy like that um Let's jump to another, uh, the next game from last night's matchups. Uh, the Indiana Pacers winning in Toronto uh, against the Raptors, 118 to 114, thanks to a big night from rookie Andrew Nemhard. Um, the Pacers had big leads throughout, but there were a number of lead changes. The Raptors never really backed down, um, regardless, the Pacers are still able to come out on top. For Toronto, they were led by Pascal Siakam. Uh, and Fred Van Vliet, their two all-stars, both past and present. Uh, 31 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists for Siakam. 28 points, 11 assists for Fred Van Vliet. They also got 23 points, 8 rebounds, 2 steals, and 2 blocks for Jakob Pertl, the recently reacquired Jakob Pertl. Meanwhile, for the Pacers, uh, 6 players in double figures, being led by, we mentioned Andrew Nemhard, 25 points, but he also had 10 assists. So both scoring and distributing the ball, very nicely done there. 16 points for Miles Turner, 15 for Matherin, uh, 14 points, excuse me, 14 points, seven assists off the bench for TJ McConnell as the Pacers get a nice win uh, north of the border in Toronto. In this next game, there's a lot to talk. we can talk about. Um, hopefully we won't spend too much time or more time than we need to, but this Golden State Dallas game. So the Golden State Warriors winning in Dallas 127 to 125, uh, despite the return to action for Luka Doncic. Uh, back and forth game throughout uh, 14 different lead changes, and it was close in the final few possessions. Um, there's maybe some controversy. We'll touch on that in just a moment. But firstly, for the Mavericks, uh, Luka did not disappoint in his return, despite the absence of Kyrie Irving from the lineup. 30 points and 17 assists. I'd proffer to say that's his, maybe his highest assist total on the season. Uh, Phenomenal job there. Uh, They also got 27 points off the bench from rookie Jaden Hardy, who's had a very stellar last few weeks. Uh, Number of other guys, four other guys in uh, double figure scoring. Uh, Christian Wood, 19 points alongside Doncic and Hardy. Uh, 15 for Reggie Bullock, 13 for Dwight Powell, and 12 for Josh Green. Meanwhile, For the Warriors, Stephen Curry, 20 points, 13 assists, uh, 22 points off the bench from Jonathan Kaminga, 16 off the bench from Jordan Poole, 14 each for Dante DiVincenzo and Draymond Green, and 12 points, 12 rebounds from Kavan Looney. Both teams saw some very balanced play, um, but again, the Warriors still able to come out on top. However, 
the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, Mark Cuban. Everybody knows Mark Cuban. Everyone loves Mark Cuban. He is, uh, <laughs> there's a report. He was unsatisfied with some officiating in the last few moments of the game. And there's a report that he wants to protest this outcome, uh, which there's, I couldn't tell you the last time that happened. Um, and the last time that that's been successful, rather, you know, we want to have this game replayed. Um, we might've had it previously on a, a, this day in history fact from maybe 20 plus years ago. But, um, if that somehow miraculously succeeds, the protest is successful, then they would probably replay the last few minutes. Um, the logistics would be worked out at that point, but interesting side note. Um, so yeah, a lot of uh, layers to this game. Justin, any additional thoughts you wanted to add before we jump to that uh, next game from last night's action? There was a funny moment from this game. Um, the Mavericks decided to play defense on the wrong end of the floor going into the third quarter, and Kevon Looney just got an uncontested dunk. So <laughs> I think that's kind of funny. They, there, was, there was some miscommunication as to which team would be defending or playing against which side. Yeah. And yeah, so they basically just rolled him the ball and he turned around and dunked it and everyone was like, what the crap? And they were going the right way. The, <laughs> yeah. The, the, <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of funny. The Mavericks were in their, the wrong side of the court and Jason Kidd said that he thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. So. I, uh, I got the notification for that particular highlight but I forgot to watch it. So I'm glad that <laughs> I you love, saw it. <laughs> I love the fact that it was Kevon Looney too. Just like of all people to just <laughs> yeah. do that. Of course it was him. The he's Warriors got, go. He's got to get some points somehow, you know, right? I mean, he's <laughs> he's getting the rebounds funny, but. I heard someone on the internet call him the road warrior because he plays mm. better in road games for some reason. What, what? So I... <laughs> Does that make him the, ol- the only Golden State Warrior that plays well on yeah. the road this season he's he's been one of them but yeah it just i think it's so funny that he did that he has <laughs> he has an exact zero plus minus in the box score he, he got his 12 points he had his weird uncontested dunk and he had 12 boards <laughs> he just he just goes crazy on road games the road yep. warrior there you go fair enough no uh, we all we all love kavan looney um Let's jump to that next game. The Philadelphia 76ers getting back into their winning ways in Chicago. Uh, they win against the Bulls 116 to 91. Uh, despite an early exit for Joel Embiid, we'll have a little bit more on that in just a moment. Um, really a thrashing by the Sixers. They built a big lead early and they never really lost the lead. They led by as much as 31 points. Uh, Chicago never was really in the game. Uh, for the Bulls, they were uh, they had a poor performance from DeMar DeRozan. I don't want to call him out like that. Just, you know, if you're going to look for factors why they, you know, weren't in this game, he just had an off night, um, didn't make a shot from the floor, four points, all of which come from the free throw line. They had a decent game from Zach Levine, 16 points. Uh, their leading scorer was Kobe White off the bench with 19 uh, Andre Drummond had a nice game off the bench as well. 13 points, 12 rebounds, and two blocks. Uh, 16, oh, let's see, sorry, 14 points for AU Dosomu as well. Um, but for the Sixers, though, they were locked in. They're just a little bit better team this night. Uh, 25 points for DeAnthony Melton. 20 points for Tobias Harris. 21 points for Tyrese Maxey. Those three, uh, your 20-plus point scorers uh, in this game. Joel Embiid, 12 points, seven rebounds, seven assists in uh, 16 minutes of play. Again, he left in the first half. We'll go ahead and touch on that while we're talking about this game. Uh, he left that game during the first half with right calf tightness. Um, so some, you know, he'll obviously be a little bit questionable as far as the next couple of games. We don't have any clear updates as far as, you know, what that entails, whether it's just day-to-day tightness he'll manage or if it's a legitimate injury, but we'll certainly keep you posted as we get updates on that. Um, so again, he left early. The Sixers are still able to overcome that, um, and they got this win in Chicago against the Bulls. Um, let's uh, not too much more to talk about there. Let's jump to that next game. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies in John ja Morant's return to action win at home against the Houston Rockets, one thirty to one twenty five. 
Um, and the fans, it sounded like the fans were pretty receptive. They're happy to see him back. They were supportive. Um, so it was pretty positive to see. Um, fairly close game throughout. Some lead changes, but the Grizzlies held substantial leads for the most part. Um, for the Rockets, they had some big scorers. Uh, Jalen Green, 32 points. Kenyon Martin Jr., 31 points. And 25 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists for Alperen Shangun. Uh, not to mention Kevin Porter Jr. with the triple-double, 14 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. So that's a lot of great production for the Rockets, but the Grizzlies, um, just a touch more balanced, six guys in double-figure scoring. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. being the leading guy, 37 points, 10 rebounds, two blocks and a steal. Uh, John Morant came off the bench in his return to action with 17 points, five assists, four rebounds along with two steals and a block, making an immediate impact. Um, they also got 20 points from Desmond Bain, uh, 13 each for Luke Kennard, David Roddy, and Tyus Jones had 14. So a nice all-round game for Memphis. Uh, Justin, I'm curious, just maybe a quick comment before we jump to that next game. Your thoughts on Jaws' return? Um, maybe we dip a little bit into our weekly predictions from last week, what our thoughts are for the Grizzlies going forward. So... I have to say, like, Jaw looks so crazy, right? Like, he got those rapper um, hair ties. So he's got, like, the purple and the green and the red. He's got the 6'9 Skittles look going on. Mm-hmm. And he came in with a mask on, like his nose was broken. And he had an incredible dunk, right? Yeah. Like, he, he drove baseline, got fouled, jumped up, tipped the ball off the backboard and dunked it with both hands and fell flat on his back. <laughs> I was like... What the freak? Like, this guy is nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I hope he continues to play well. Like I said, he's probably the most exciting player in the league to watch. Or, you know, at least in the top five most exciting players in the league. Um, but I think the story with Memphis comes on Triple J. Mm-hmm. That guy has averaged 29 points a game for the past five games. He's been absolutely balling out. And considering the fact that everyone just considered him to be you know, their defensive end, their defensive anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, he has really stepped up since Ja has been out, and he's just he's just played an awesome game. So it's fun to see him balling out. It's fun to see Ja doing what Ja does, even though he shot relatively poorly. And I think it'll be exciting to see them in the playoffs. I hope, yeah. I hope things go well. Right, Last week I was a little more negative in my prediction, and I hope that Ja doesn't ruin his career with any more controversy. But... They're so much fun to watch when they play well. Yeah, it's a good point. Well, and I like what you mentioned about Triple J. You know, he's further solidifying the validity of his all-star appearance post-all-star break, which is something you love to see. Um, Every once in a while, you have a guy make an all-star game, and then he has a dip in play. Um, But he has, you know, gotten even better post-all-star break. So that's great to see. And yeah, Memphis, they're going to be a team to watch. We've known that throughout the season at points, but now with jaw coming back, breaking off, you know, the notion of any kind of rust. Um, they have, they're poised pretty well for the rest of the season. Um, let's talk that next game. This, this one's not really too much to, uh, to sneeze at here. The Milwaukee bucks went at home against the San Antonio Spurs, one thirty to 94. Um, again, I don't mean to, to deride the Spurs in any sense. It's just, you know, a season where they they struggled a little bit more than uh, past seasons. And Milwaukee's one of the best teams in the NBA this season. Uh, pretty close first half. Uh, and then the Bucks built a lead going into halftime, uh, really expanded the lead. Winning uh, their winning total was their biggest lead of the game as well. 36 point lead at the end of it. Um, for the Spurs, they had some pretty balanced production. Um Devin Vassell led them in scoring 16 points, 14 for Keta Bates-Diop, uh, 13 for Jeremy Sohan, and 12 each for Zach Collins and Sandro Mamukilashvili. Um, so that's a great job for them. However, for the Bucks, uh, a little bit too much of Giannis, 31 points, 14 rebounds, um, 19 points each for Chris Middleton and Bobby Portis. Middleton with 10 assists, Portis with 10 rebounds. Uh, 14 points for Joe Ingles and 12, re- or excuse me, 10 rebounds as well for Pat Connaughton. So uh, they're just a little bit better team. Again, sorry, San Antonio fans, but there's not too much else to really um, talk about with that game. Uh, so let's jump to that next game. They 
a very close one. The Minnesota Timberwolves in Carl Anthony Towns return to action win at home against the Atlanta Hawks in a very close game, 125 to 124. Um, 19 lead changes throughout this game. Very close affair. And it was within a couple points in the last few minutes um, down to the wire. Um, for the Hawks, they were led by Trey Young, 29 points, eight assists. Uh, all four of the other starters scored in double figures, 16 points each for DeAndre Hunter and John Collins, uh, as well as 16 off the bench for Sadiq Bey and 14 off the bench for Anyaka Kungu. Meanwhile, for the Timberwolves, uh, three 20-plus point game scorers, uh, 25 for Jaden McDaniels, 26 for Nas Reed off the bench, and 22 for the recently returned Carl Anthony Towns. Gobert added 12 points, 12 boards, uh, 15 off the bench for Torian Prince, and 13 for Mike Conley as the Timberwolves get a nice win at home. Um, maybe we can chat on that for just a moment. Your thoughts on now that Carl Anthony Towns is finally back in the lineup and the Timberwolves have stayed fairly steady in the West, what do you think the, the ceiling is on this team once we get into that playoff picture, which they should be in barring any kind of, um, you know, unforeseen collapse. Um, I think you already know this. Um, I think Carl Anthony Towns is a terrific player by himself, mm. but I, I think he struggles with having been too young and having too much pressure put on him. And I think that he's mentally weak, um, but he's a baller, right? Like they were down one point with like six seconds left and he put the ball on the floor, pushed through John Collins, got fouled, got the end one and iced the game for his team. Hmm. Um, and this was his first game back. So I think hometown basketball game, your star player is who runs it up to win the game. I think that's pretty cool, but I don't see them going very far in the playoffs. Um, the Timberwolves kind of surprising because that's not what you would expect are one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And the Hawks are one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And so this was a team, this was a a game of two teams trying to run and gun at each other without playing defense. And it was it wasn't great basketball the entire time. And I don't really think they're gonna make much of a splash in the playoffs. Gotcha. You know, that's interesting. Um, that fact about their both teams' defensive struggles. You know, it's interesting when you think about both of their starting center pieces, Rudy Gobert and Clint Capella you know, defensive minded centers. It's interesting how the team dynamic hasn't really melded around that. Um, so yeah, fair point. You know, I, I'm kind of the same. I'm not sure about the Timberwolves doing um, a great a deal in the playoffs. I think they can lock in, you know, a spot out of a, ahead of the play in picture, uh, but they might be a first round exit at that point, maybe winning a game or two, but we'll have to see uh, as we get closer to the postseason. Um, let's jump to those last two games. The first of which being a disappointing loss for, for us too, me and Justin being uh, Utah natives, jazz fans. Um, the Portland trailblazers win in Utah against the jazz one twenty-seven to one fifteen, uh, despite a big game from Lowry Markinen. and the jazz held the lead early. And then the trailblazers built a bigger lead jazz rallied back and then lost the lead again. So just not quite sharp enough to be able to win this game. Um, for the Jazz, Markinen had 40 points and 12 rebounds. Stellar all-around game. Uh, 15 points off the bench from Chris Dunn. 12 points, 10 rebounds for Kelly Olenek. Um, and 11 points for Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, outside of Markinen, the Jazz kind of struggled all-around, especially on the scoring end. Meanwhile, for Portland, great balanced effort. Lillard with 30 points and 12 assists, along with 7 rebounds. Uh, 24 for Shaden Sharp getting a start instead of um, Anthony Simons, who's dealing with his own injury. 21 points, nine rebounds for Trendon Watford. 20 points for Yusuf Nurkic uh, and Cam Reddish, Kevin Knox, both with uh, double figures scoring off the bench. So Trailblazers, a better team effort, and uh, the Jazz just not sharp enough to be able to win that game. And then finally, uh, a big win as far as Western Conference play in and playoff hopes for both these teams. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers win at home against the Phoenix Suns, 122 to 111. Uh, and Austin Reeves, yet again, along with Chris, uh, excuse me, with Anthony Davis, having important big games and big moments for the Lakers. Um, 
fairly close game throughout, but the Lakers uh, able to hold on to a lead throughout the whole second half uh, to win this game. For the Suns, Devin Booker with 33 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 18 points for Chris Paul, 14 for Torrey Craig, and 15 off the bench for Landry Shamit. Meanwhile, for the Lakers, uh, Austin Reeves, 25 points, 11 assists, um, 27 points, 9 rebounds for Anthony Davis, and 26 points for D'Angelo, excuse me, D'Angelo Russell. Those three really leading the charge. They also got 13 points each for Jared Vanderbilt and Dennis Schroeder. Um, so big win for the Lakers, uh, despite some protestations from Monty Williams. He had some, he took some issues with the free throw discrepancy in this game. The Suns took a total of 20 free throws while the Lakers took 46 total free throws. Um, and Monty Williams had some comments that um, he felt that the Suns have been on the raw end of some officiating. Um, he feels maybe some either some favoritism or just missing some calls. Um, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but more specifically, he talked about um, they're just not getting the same kinds of foul calls that maybe some other teams are. And, you know, Booker is the outlier. He got to the free throw line 12 times in this game. Um of the 20 total. And so he just, you know, coach Monty Williams felt like they maybe should have got some other calls, but um, otherwise, yeah, nice one for the Lakers. Um, that's the last game in our slate. Justin, any comments on that before we move on to our key news? I think it's kind of important to note that in the inactive players list, it's kind of sad to see the list um, for Phoenix inactive, DeAndre Ayton, Kevin Durant and Saban Lee. Um, and for the Lakers, the inactive players are LeBron, Mo Bambas, and Scotty Pippen Jr. And I, I love basketball. And one of the best parts about watching basketball is seeing the star players play, mm. especially with the best players in the world, such as Kevin Durant and LeBron. It's it's really too bad that neither of them played. Yeah. Um, given it was a chance for Book to step up and a chance for the little three, is what they've kind of jokingly called them in Los Angeles for. D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves and Anthony Davis to play well together, but it's it's too bad to not see the best players playing the best games because this could really be a fun game to watch if everyone was healthy and they were all playing well. Yeah, I saw a note the last time that Kevin Durant and LeBron James played on the same game against each other in the regular season, 2018, and wow. I did not believe that. That was wild. But um, Five years ago, that's crazy. Yeah, tough, tough to think about. Um, all right, let's jump to our key news. And really, this is going to be pretty quick because we don't have much to talk about. We already mentioned uh, Embiid leaving that game last night with the right calf tightness. Other than that, um, some good news as far as injury returns. The Lakers are hope- reportedly hoping to see LeBron James return to the lineup before the end of the season, maybe the last few games. Uh, so that's good news on their part. And then sort of the same vein, uh, a little bit sooner, the Golden State Warriors are hoping to see the return of Gary Payton II um, within uh, within a week or so to the lineup. So good to see both of those guys are nearing a return. Otherwise, quite honestly, that's it for our news. We really don't have much else to talk about. Um, one player with an injury to keep updated on, another couple other guys returning. So that's uh, good stuff to see um, on the whole, those two being able to return. Uh, with that, let's jump to our franchise focus. Um Forgot to mention this in the beginning, but uh, of course, it being a Thursday, we're doing our franchise focus, and we're going to be talking about uh, the Houston Rockets today. Firstly, their current team uh, direction and outlook, then a historic team from that franchise's history, and then very briefly, since we have me and Justin on the show, we're going to each talk about a legend and or notable player from that franchise history. Um, After that, we'll get a quick prediction from Justin before we wrap things up. So let's go and dive into our franchise focus. Justin, I'm going to let you lead this off as far as your just general thoughts on the the current Rockets outlook, you know, some of their talent, their the way they're building for the future. What are your thoughts on it? As of right now, um, the Rockets are one of the worst teams in the league. Mm. And they they have such an interesting lineup because they have some names that you think are not um, really bad players. I think they just have kind of a weird mix and they have a bunch of really athletic guys, but it's it's kind of like watching AAU ball when you watch them. There's mm. always one guy that thinks he's the dog and he tries too hard and 
it's really hard to win team basketball, especially against the best players in the world, if that's how you're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got Jalen Green, who's a high flyer and one of the biggest empty stat patters in the whole league. Kevin Porter, Ty Ty Washington, Jabari Smith. Um, they've got DJ Augustine, just a recent pickup. He's pretty solid. Um, Kenyon Martin Jr. Can't forget about him. He's tough. He's a little bit crazy, just like his dad. Um, Sangoon has been pretty awesome. Um, Boban Mardanovich is fun to watch just because he's gigantic. And Frank the Tank Kaminsky. He's kind of a weird package type player, but unfortunately their team is pretty bad right now. Hmm. Um, If I was them, I don't really know what I would do to try to fix it. They're in kind of a tough spot where they have a lot of young guys, but they don't really have the pieces to play winning basketball. Hmm. Um, Yeah. So that's my thoughts about the current Rockets. They kind of suck, but they have some, they have some fun moments throughout the year. And I hope that they continue to get better. Yeah. And you know, honestly, you summarized a lot of uh, the talking points there pretty well. If I had to add just a few uh, minor comments along with it, you know, I think you made a great point. Your AAU comparison, I think with the youth of the squad, um, not just, you know, numerically their ages, but also their um, development in the game is still, they, a lot of this talent still feels very raw. You know, Jalen Green is towards the end of his sophomore season. It still feels like he's a rookie in some senses, you know, inefficient, um, inconsistent, some of those things. Um, So, you know, and there's a lot of those same guys in that same kind of age group and situation. Uh, If there's a couple of things as far as building for the future, I think Shangoon, there's like a very small outside chance. And this might be a bit bold to say this maybe should have been my weekly prediction, but there's a very small outside chance, you know, when I think of a center who's rapidly developed and shown impressive versatility in his first couple seasons, you know, maybe shades of Nikola Jokic come to mind. And I'm not saying in any sense that the, he's going to become that same type of a player, but I'm saying that there's a little bit of an opportunity for him to, you know, rapidly develop, continuing uh, to improve and maybe become, maybe he replaces Jalen Green as far as, the Rockets vision of their future star player. Um, that's maybe just a small comment. Again, Shane Goon's been a, a, a bright spot for them this season. Otherwise, as far as building for the future, I think the big question would be, even though I like him is coach, the head coach, Steven Silas, is he going to be a great long-term fit? You know, he's still very new to coaching. I don't know if he has enough of those chops to really help younger talent develop as he's still kind of developing himself as a coach. That's my kind of other thought, but otherwise, you know, I agree with a lot of, with a lot of what Justin said, you know, young team, lots of talent, um, a lot of raw talent. They're just trying to figure out what that next step is and what that roadmap is. Um, so that's really the Rockets overall as, as they're currently constituted. Um, let's segue to our historic team and the team that we decided to talk about today Um you know, usually I've picked some teams that are a little more obscure that are interesting to talk about, even though quite honestly, it's a little bit more interesting to talk about, you know, championship teams or contending teams. Um, the team we'll talk about is a pretty well-known team. We're talking about the 1986 Houston Rockets. Um, one of their surprisingly uh, many finals appearances, one of four total. Um, of course, they made back-to-back finals in the 90s where they won two titles. Um, but people forget sometimes that they made two different finals in the period of the eighties, uh, both times with two different, you know, star players. Um, and in 86, well, in both times, actually they lost to the Boston Celtics in 86. They made it uh, with the, the twin towers, of course, Hakeem Olajuwon, Ralph Sampson. That's really where this team begins and ends. I mean, those two guys were ultra dynamic bigs who had very versatile games, you know, Olajuwon, was the defensive, you know, beast inside the younger guy, slightly younger. They were both pretty young at the time. Um, a little bit more scoring. He was playing kind of that power forward spot. Meanwhile, for Ralph Sampson, hugely, he was even taller than Akeem Olajuwon. He could surprisingly, you know, score outside a little bit, could make some plays. You know, that was such a unique tandem. And that's really the big part of this team. But they also had a nice supporting cast, you know. And John Lucas is probably, you know, the what if 
piece with this team. Um, some people maybe, you know, modern NBA fans are a little bit familiar with uh, his son, John Lucas III, who played some spot minutes uh, for a few years in the NBA uh, within the last 10 years or so. But John Lucas II, he was a number one overall draft choice uh, and he had a decent career. He was a nice little journeyman point guard averaging as much as, you know, eight or nine assists a game in his best seasons. Um, but he had, um, I got to remember what the exact situation was. He was, um, yeah, he was part of the whole mid eighties. The NBA had an issue with drugs at that time. A lot of players, you know, dealing with drug issues during that season. Um, he failed two different drug tests and uh, the Rockets waived him as a result, but it would be interesting to see what they could have done with him there because that season, 15 points a game, about nine assists, you know, solid point guard play. And they were kind of scrambling for a point guard, despite a strong playoff run. They were scrambling for a point guard throughout that whole rest of that season. Um, They had Rodney McRae uh, consistently underrated as a very good starter. Um, Lewis Lloyd was a decent player, you know, so they've got an interesting mix, not to mention they have Mitchell Wiggins, father of uh, one Andrew Wiggins coming off the bench. Uh, so it's an interesting mix. Craig Elo's in there too. Um, not too much more to say other than that, just kind of general overview. Um, there's, if you know any particular play from this team, it's the uh, Ralph Sampson tip in, throws it behind his back, winner against the Lakers to move him on to the finals. That's one of the great kind of plays that's been lost to time. Um, otherwise, I'm not sure I really had much more to say. Justin, any kind of thoughts you want to bounce off that as far as your knowledge of this team before we jump to our legends? I, oh, pardon me. Excuse me. I found kind of a fun story about John Lucas. Mm-hmm. Um, this happened on March 14th, 1986. Um, and this is right before they were going to play in the finals in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so they, they were a really solid team. They were the top of the Midwest. Obviously, this is the year that Larry Bird was the most incredible player that the NBA has ever seen or one of them. Mm-hmm. And that's that 86 Celtics team is incredible. Yeah. Um, but it says, despite all of his successes, because he's putting up, you know, nearly 16 points a game, nine assists, very solid offensive player. Um, he'd gone out partying that night and after another evening spent drinking and doing cocaine, very casual, he was found passed out near the street in the dumpster in downtown Houston in a shoot with no shoes on. Um, he missed the following evening's game due to his recovery from that night mm. and the, the Houston Rockets GM had seen enough and released him the next day. Um, and so he he missed out on their entire finals run. And that's why I think he's such an awesome what if is because if he could have stayed away from the drugs and the booze, um, maybe they could have done even better against the Celtics who they famously you know, played six games against. Yeah. So maybe if they could have had their guard playing awesome, he could have made it to the finals. Who knows? Well, history could have been different. Absolutely. Yeah. Phenomenal what if story and also a picture into how much, you know, that negatively impacted, not just John Lucas, but that whole drug picture in the NBA, you know, Len bias is probably the biggest name we talk about. I mean, he was a number one overall draft choice by that very same Celtic squad. Yeah. He would have been on that team, but he would have been, it would have been the following season because he was drafted in 86. Uh, I thought he was on that, that I thought he was 85, but yeah. Anyways, yeah, somewhere in there, you know, one of the great teams adding a phenomenal talent, you know, most and you know, most likely could have been a multiple time all star, uh, a solid player. He passes away just a couple days after the draft due to drug issues. I mean, there's uh, Roy Tarpley, there's Michael Ray Richardson, there's any number of guys in that 80 scene who just, you know, hurt their own careers because they got caught up in that. And it's a you know, picture into that scene and and how much that impacted the NBA in a negative sense and how far we've come uh, from that time. Um, that being said, let's jump into our last segment, our franchise legends slash notable players. Um, in this case, more legends. Both of us have picked legendary players for the Houston Rockets. 
Um, I'll go ahead and lead us off. I'm talking Moses Malone. And in the past, similar to teams, I've been, you know, I've liked to talk about, you know, less notable players or players that tend to be forgotten about. Um, It's hard to forget about Moses Malone, but he's best known, I think, modern day best known as the centerpiece of that Sixers title team in the in 80 83 and he was on the Sixers through the mid 80s that was you know some of his best basketball but he was maybe at his his peak his very peak I mean he was still incredible with the Sixers but maybe he was even just a touch better in Houston where he really became an all-star and where his career was cultivated you know before he went to Houston he was a very young very interesting prospect he was drafted famously out of high school by the ABA's Utah Stars, where he played his rookie season, was an all-star in the ABA that season, averaging 18 points, 14 rebounds. I mean, it was already apparent he was going to be great. But by the time of the NBA-ABA merger, um, he started with Buffalo, didn't play much for a couple games, and then was immediately traded to Houston. So it was an interesting, you know, he obviously showed that great potential. He was still young. But once he got to Houston, he immediately showed that he was going to be a force. I mean, his five full seasons in Houston, he averaged 26 points a game, 15 rebounds, um, one and a half blocks and one steal per game. I mean, people, of course, know him as the chairman of the boards and a great rebounder, but he added he got so many points, too, because. I mean, he was a focal point of the offense, but you think of all those offensive rebounds, tipping it back in, you know, he could control games that way. And again, in 81, uh, he helped lead the Rockets to the finals himself, you know, without a, a ton of help around him. I mean, let's look at that team, 81 Houston Rockets. He had Moses Malone, Robert Reed, when he was at his best, he was a solid forward. Uh, Rudy Tomjanovich towards the end of his career, Calvin Murphy, a Hall of Famer, um, but he was, again, tail end of his career. So some kind of past their prime entities and a very young, very dominant Moses Malone, and he carried him to the finals. Just a phenomenal career, and he was one of the longest uh, longest careers in NBA history. Again, drafted straight out of high school, retired at the age of 39. He started in the mid-70s and retired in 95. Just a long career, a bunch of teams, and... Uh, Shout out to Moses Malone. Fo, fo, fo. That's his, what he's going to be most famous oh, for. Fo, fo, fo. Fo, fo, And you got to say it exactly that way. Uh, nearly predicting that incredible playoff run. Uh, they only lost one game in that whole playoff run to win the title uh, with the Sixers. So so that's my legend. Again, huge resume. You can look it up yourself. Look up some highlights. You know, Get an idea of how great Moses Malone was if you're not familiar. Um but that's my legend, Justin. I'm going to turn it over to you. Who's your legend that we're talking about for the Houston Rockets? All right, Karsten. This kind of basketball is something that I love talking about. And today I want to talk about the experiment, the genetic freak from China, the monster among men, Yao Ming. Mm-hmm. Yao was born for basketball. Um, in fact, his parents were both professional basketball players in China and were strongly convinced by the Chinese government to get married and have a child. Um, By the time he was 13, he was six foot nine, um, and he was playing professional basketball in China for the Shanghai Sharks. Um, He played there for five years, joined the CBA, which is the Chinese Basketball Association. And in his final year, when he was 18 years old, he was averaging 39 points and 26 rebounds a game shooting 77% from the field. So, of course, we know Yao Ming was then drafted as the first overall pick. He was the very first pick from China that was drafted first overall, Mm -hmm. selected by the Houston Rockets. And throughout his career, his Hall of Fame career, by the way, he ended up as one of the most prolific and fun-to-watch players to ever play the game. Um. He has some incredible stories with Shaquille O'Neal. Some of the more funny things that I've ever heard is um, you have to look up some of Shaq's stories with (laughs) Yao. Some of them are a little bit too, I don't know, xenophobic, I guess, today to talk about maybe on our podcast. But yeah, they might might be seen that way. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, but Yao always had a really great sense of humor. Um, my favorite quote that he took in response to Shaq making fun of the Chinese language um, is just his very um, kind of subtle smile. Um, and he said, Chinese is just a hard language to learn. And so I thought that was yep. kind of funny. Shaq, Shaq has this very famous interview where he he pretended to speak Chinese and then, yeah, and his dad cussed him out and then he found out that Yao spoke English. Um, but yeah, so Yao was an eight-time All-Star. Um, he averaged 19 points for his career, 9.2 boards, two blocks. Um, and just due to injuries from him being too huge and too awesome at basketball, his career didn't last super long. Mm. Yeah, he was he still made the hall of fame and yep. so i i really like watching him um in nba live 2005 my childhood favorite basketball game if you used yao ming and you pulled the left trigger and hit y at the same time the shot had a 100 percent chance of going in from anywhere on the court so you pass the ball into yao ming full court shot and it's a hook shot he shoots it from above the rim and it just lasers into the hoop every time so we'd wow. score some games. We put it on like 12-minute quarters, and I would score 999 points in NBA Live 2005 with Yao Ming just because of his unblockable, unstoppable shot. So wow. I love Yao. I'm a very big fan. And ever since I was a kid, he's been one of my favorite players. Yeah. Yao is a guy that I think everybody always has a soft spot for Yao. Uh, the Great Wall, of course, a phenomenal nickname, uh, uh, you know, an easy nickname, but it's, it's a phenomenal nickname. I mean, what else are you going to call this guy? Um, seven foot six, just shy of being the tallest player in NBA history. Um, just shy of, of course, Manute Bull and George Mirasan. but yeah, phenomenal career. And again, the injuries, he's another, what if story you think about his first three seasons, he played just nearly, you know, every game for those Rockets teams. He only missed two games in his first three seasons, but if he could have been healthy, throughout the stretch and the same goes for Tracy McGrady. If both those guys would have been healthy, you know, could the Rockets have contended for a title? Um, so there's a great, a lot of what if stories there, but yeah, it's really a credit to his career. I mean, when he was good, he was really good. 25 points a game, nine rebounds in 2007, along with two blocks and two assists, you know, doing a bit of everything. And, um, you know, a credit to his Hall of Fame career. Of course, he is great in the NBA, but more than that, he was one of a few pieces that helped really open the eyes to the international style of play and the prospects um, that came, you know, across across the ocean. So, yeah, great, great choice, Justin. Thank you for highlighting Yao Ming. Uh, really appreciate that. Uh, that being said, let's go ahead and get things wrapped up with our weekly prediction. Of course, I shared my prediction yesterday, but we've got Justin on. He's got a weekly prediction. Uh, Justin, lay it on me. What's your prediction? All right. My prediction is something that isn't incredibly, I don't know, controversial per se, but I think it's fun to drop these and they're always hot. And so I want to know what you think. Okay. My prediction and probably one of the final predictions for the regular season is the following. Let me turn the font black so we can see it. Big reveal. I don't think any other players this season are going to score 60 points again. And the reason that I think that is because the playoff race, especially in the West is so close. There's so many teams within one game. I think everybody's going to play hard to the finish. And so I don't, I don't think there are going to be any more huge scoring performances for the rest of the season, even though there's been some incredible 70-point games um, and there's been a massive, I don't know, scoring explosion and teams are averaging more points than ever before. I just – I don't think there's going to be another huge individual game, okay. at least until next season begins. Fair enough. No, I think that's a solid one. Um, like you said, maybe a touch more conservative. Maybe if you'd gone – like no one's going to score 50 again or, or 40 even, but no, it's a fair point. Yeah. I think as we get closer to the playoffs, we have, you know, I mean, every game is important, but they start to feel more important. You know, there's more of a sense of urgency, you know, it's a fair point. And I think you're, you're right on the money there. Um, and you know, it's a good choice. I, I think um, both of us have had predictions in the past where we are a bit too ambitious. And um, as I've mentioned in the past, we're going to do a, uh, once we get to the end of the season, we're going to do a recap episode where we look back at our predictions 
see which of us were on the mark about some things, which of us were way off. Um, and I think we're going to have a good amount that both of us were just way off, but we have some that we're on the mark. And I think this has a great chance to be uh, accurate to come the end of the season. So yeah, great prediction, Justin. Uh, really appreciate that. Again, we'll post that uh, to the Instagram page. That's crossover across time on Instagram. We share content from the show along with content from across the NBA. So it's a great place along with the podcast to stay up to date on NBA action. Um, that being said, let's ju- you won't regret it. Yeah. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram. <laughs> we, we'd, uh, we'd really appreciate it. Of course, with you listening to the show. Um, that being said, let's jump to our, this day in history fact for today. Uh, we're going back to 1979, March 23rd of 1979. Um, this was, this is a wild one. And there's a great YouTube video that talks about this in detail, but we'll just give you the facts. The Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Nets replayed the final 17 minutes and 50 seconds of their contest that was originally played on November 8th of 1978, uh, much earlier on that same season. Harvey Catchings and Ralph Simpson played for the Sixers and Eric Money and Al Skinner played for the Nets when the game began back in November. But after that game and before they had to replay it, those four players were traded amongst each other and were on the opposite teams. Um, So they were traded to the opposing teams by the time the game was resumed. It's the only time in the history of professional sports that any player played for both teams in the same game. And there were four of them in this one game. Um, One of the most wild facts you'll see again, there's any number of YouTube videos that talk about it in detail. I think secret base has maybe the best, but it's a unique one. Justin, had you heard about this one before? I had never heard about that. That's weird, but I think it's kind of cool. 1979 was a weird year for basketball. That's a good point. It was just before the uh, arrival of Magic and Bird. So it was just before the, uh, you know, birth of the, maybe the modern NBA, if we want to call it that. So um, yeah, great fact. But with, with that being said, that takes care of our show to, for today. Uh, both Justin and I want to thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Justin, any closing thoughts before we wrap this up? I'd just like to say thank you for listening. Thank you, Christian, for having me every week. It's a pleasure to be here. And follow us on Instagram and get on our social media. They're trying to grow that thing and, you know, develop more of an audience. So please follow us. Thank you for listening to the show. And let's get out of here. Exactly. Yep. We will be back with you on tomorrow's show. Uh, We'll see you then.